You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. Our third episode in three days. That should tell you all you need to know. It is a Penn State football game week nearing kickoff. Thursday night, 8 o'clock, West Lafayette, Penn State, and Purdue kick off their Big Ten seasons in a showcase matchup. We're looking forward to it. Mark Brennan, Daniel Gallen will be in the press box in West Lafayette. They'll be on this podcast in just a second. We got a lot to look forward to. If you missed it, because we are squeezing a bunch into our podcast schedule over the course of this game week with the condensed week, the Thursday kickoff. Monday, we came to you with a bunch of conversations out of the James Franklin press conference. Of course, the big headliner there was Drew Aller being named the uh, second-team quarterback beyond Sean Clifford, but a lot to get to on that episode regarding position competitions, how this team is trending coming out of preseason camp. And then Tuesday came right back to you with a Purdue-centric episode with Mike Carmen, uh, who does a great job out there in West Lafayette covering the Boilermakers for the Journal and Courier. Thanks again to Mike for his time. If you missed that Tuesday episode, it's about 20 minutes, completely focused on the Boilermakers. We are going to talk a little bit Purdue because, of course, they're the team playing Penn State on Thursday. But this episode, our pre-game episode, is really going to be focused on Penn State, our thoughts about them going into the matchup, what they'll need to do to come home with a win. And we'll also give you our season predictions after we give you our game one predictions. So you're going to get a lot this episode. We'll finish it off with a five-star mailbag. But let's start it out by bringing back on Mark Brennan and Daniel Allen from Lions 24-7. Of course, you're familiar with their work, doing great stuff up on the site, frequent guests here on the podcast. And, Mark, before we jump into this game conversation and eventually our season predictions, you weren't with us on Monday when we came out of that press conference and, and broke down the announcement of Drew Aller as the backup quarterback for Penn State going into this first contest. What was your reaction? Uh, obviously, it was a moment that caught essentially everybody in the Penn State universe by surprise, I feel. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I we we posted in some VIP notes, and you know, it's something that I'm sure we could reveal now. But you know, everything we had heard was was about just how unbelievable this guy's arm is. You know, from what I was told, uh, there there aren't many people on the planet who have that kind of arm. Uh, did I expect him to be elevated to that second spot? I didn't for the opener. I am a little bit surprised. I thought what they would do is obviously start off with Sean Clifford as the starter, which which they're doing. Uh, have Christian Veyer. Uh, we finally got his pronunciation. Am I doing that right at this point? For uh, now, it's correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for now it's correct. As the backup, and then if things went haywire, you know, maybe they reshuffle at that point and, and you p- p- potentially keep that uh, option of, of redshirting Aller uh, there. But listen, apparently he played that well in camp. You know, obviously he was a kid who was fortunate enough to be able to to enroll back in January, uh, had a good spring, and then then played well enough in camp that 
You know, it, it, listen, I think what this is telling us is that James Franklin is in complete no-nonsense mode. Not that he's ever in nonsense mode, but there, there seems to be a level of uh, intensity to him this preseason that maybe we haven't seen. And, and I don't think it takes too much reading between the lines to say to, to, to think that, listen, they realize who the second-best quarterback on the team is. Why mess around? Just make him the number QB two at this point, and go from there. You know, we were at practice. I, I what was it? Two Saturdays ago was the last one before uh, yesterday. Yesterday being Monday. I'm sorry for for, for <laughs> whenever we're taping this, whenever it's running, because we're rolling out all these different podcasts. But and the thing about Aller and, and you know Daniel, I know you were there, and, and it's not just that he could bomb the ball; he could fit throws into windows that are just crazy i mean he had a pass to to i think it was uh was it tyler johnson or mitchell tinsley one of them over the middle that there was a defensive back all over him and you know he hit this like 10 12 yard pass and like everybody there was like whoa you know the first thing that i heard was from people who weren't paying close attention uh who saw the pass like who was that who threw that who threw that ball and so, yeah, I mean, he's a special talent, and, and I think it's an indication that they're they're not messing around. To make a long story short, which is impossible at this point, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's what this kind of is pointing to. Daniel, I want to reiterate one point that you heard this week from Jair Brown, the senior safety team captain for Penn State, a guy that may, may rise up to All-American status if things go right for him in the final year with the Nittany Lions. He said something very strong about Drew Aller, and, and I think it goes to, to show kind of the reflection of how he's, how he's come along the last couple of weeks and closed out the preseason opportunities in front of him. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Jair Brown has – seen a lot of quarterbacks in his time uh, for playing in that Penn State secondary, both at Penn State and opponents. And um, he said that uh, Drew Aller has an unbelievably talented arm, uh, can sling it 60, 70, 80 yards, and that he he really looks the part of a college quarterback. And that's something that can project beyond um, now. That, And I think to hear that from Jair Brown, who is in a, a position where what, what he says carries some weight and he isn't just going to say anything, um, I think that that's uh, yeah, pretty pretty significant and a pretty big cosign to get um, if you're a, a freshman like Drew Aller coming into the spot. Yeah, I don't know if it's playing it close to the vest or if it's kind of standbagging situations, but there have been some names that have surfaced a little bit later than what we heard privately, including those true freshmen, the running backs Nick Singleton and Catron Allen. I think the staff themselves in public settings, even the players until you know, a couple weeks into preseason camp, we didn't quite hear the em emphasized adjectives applied to the way they were playing. I don't know if this is a situation where Drew truly did just catch fire late in the preseason camp or if they were just doing their best to keep this in-house, keep his evolution in-house. Because, Mark, again, when the entire beat anticipates that Christian Veyer is going to be the QB2, and James Franklin drops that on us on Monday Monday morning, uh, and everyone shares the same reaction. It's 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 leads me to to wonder when the locker room found out about this. It leads me to wonder when yeah. this decision was was uh, you know forecasted to Christian and to Drew. And and based on James Franklin's comments, that was pretty fresh. And uh, you know coming out of this, we saw all those quarterbacks on the field uh, on Monday. That they're putting in the work together. Um, you certainly got to wonder. Are there some some is there some work to do within that room for Mike Yersich, some of those relationships? Or as everyone truly said, look, this is the way it is right now. We got to go one and oh, and we're gonna do it together. Yeah, I mean, listen, for for the practices that we were at, 
uh, I don't think I'm giving away any secrets. I mean, it was it was very clear up until this week what the pecking order was. I mean, it was it was Clifford, it was Veyer, and then it was the two freshmen. I mean, that's what. So yeah, I, and, and I I I didn't get any sense that that was any different when we weren't at practice. I don't know for absolute certain, but just keeping the ear to the ground, I don't know that was was any different in terms of Mike Yersich. Listen, welcome to the world of college football, man. I mean, this yep. is what it's all about. I mean, if you want to have a loaded quarterback room, if you want to have a loaded running back room, you are going to have to make tough decisions. And remember, what was it about a week and a half ago, James Franklin said, you know, these are some tough conversations that you have to have. But listen, you, you're, you're, you've won 11 of your last 22 games. You lost six of eight to end last season. And there's no more time to be messing around here, man. This team's got to win some football games, and you got to put your, your best players in the best position to do that. And I think the fact that they're willing to do that with a freshman at a QB2 spot, and we know how huge that QB2 spot is behind Sean Clifford. You know, knock on wood that Sean Clifford stays healthy. Knock on wood that every player in college football stays healthy. We want them all to stay healthy. But the fact of the matter is, is that Sean Clifford has been somebody who's been banged up. And people have had to come in, so that this is this is significant. This is not a, you know, this isn't just some uh, ho hum type thing. This is a significant move, and and I also think it, it it points to the fact that if Clifford struggles, they will not be. And I'm not saying it's going to happen in this first game. I don't know that it's going to happen in this first game. And if you're a Penn State fan, you're hoping Clifford doesn't struggle. You're hoping he comes out and plays the way he did in the first five plus games last season. But if he does, I would have to believe that they're going to be make, willing to make a move. I don't think they do this unless that's the case. I think if you were looking at stashing Drew Aller and hopefully redshirting him, uh, you know, barring injury or something crazy happening, you, you don't do this. But they're, they want to have this guy ready to go. And, and it's, uh, again, I think it's just a, 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 an indication that they're taking a no-nonsense approach. Every, everything we've gotten from Franklin throughout this preseason is – you know, he is dead serious. Not that he hasn't always been serious, but there is a level of intensity that I don't think we've seen in the past few years. I think that's a fair point. And I also, this morning while preparing for this podcast, something came to mind, and it's something I've heard from James Franklin at least 10 times since I joined this media beat. And that's how he breaks down his ideal quarterback room from a depth scenario. And they have said many times, Franklin and Yursich, that the quarterback depth is in a really good place for them right now. What Franklin has said is you want your starting quarterback you want the next man up to be at starting quarterback level in the Big Ten, and then you want some developmental prospects working behind them to be your next guys down the road. Now, we thought they had that kind of figured out. Apparently, we just had the pieces wrong. And what this tells me, if James Franklin is sticking by the book in the way he's always told us he views the quarterback pecking order, then they believe Drew Aller is at starting caliber quarterback in the Big Ten right now to make this move. And we'll see if he gets a chance to log one of those starts. We got a long way to go before we're uh, – well, maybe not that long, but we got a few games to get through before we have that conversation, I think. Um, but right now, uh, it has certainly rocked things on a game week, and it's a tight game week. So we better move on and get to this Purdue matchup before we don't because we spent time last episode talking about Drew, and something tells me we'll do it again next episode. Um, Mark? Purdue, Penn State, uh, this is a matchup last time we saw them play. Uh, Penn State really took them to the woodshed here in Beaver Stadium. Uh, of course, Purdue coming off a nine-win season. They capped it off with the Music City Bowl win over Tennessee. Uh, Penn State looking to shake off that seven and six result. And they open on the road. This is something you wrote about back in July, but Penn State accustomed to getting this kind of treatment in the conference. Do you think that gives them some kind of advantage uh, going on the road for this matchup? I think it gives them motivation. 
I mean, you know, you see this happening year after year after year after year. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it has to give them the motivation. Now that's all fine and dandy until you start hitting. So, you know, let's see how they react to it. I think the, the good news for Penn State is, you know, last year before everything went haywire, they went out to an even more intense environment at Wisconsin and were able to pull that win out. So, yeah, this is a team that's that's used to playing in hostile environments. I don't think that uh, a blackout crowd or whatever they're calling it in uh, in Ross Aid Stadium is going to be something that's overwhelming. I think it's going to be more about a, a good Purdue team, you know. But as I look at this Purdue team, listen, they have a really good quarterback in Aiden O'Connell, a guy who's been around forever. Uh, but you look at the pieces that they've lost from last season, you know, David Bell, Karlofkis, am I, am I pronouncing that right on the other side of the ball? You know, NFL caliber players, not NFL caliber, NFL players now who are just really good. And, I, you know, as I look at it, I know I'm kind of just, just rambling here, but, you know, you look at Sean Clifford, you look at the supporting cast, you look at the defense, you look at Purdue, you look at O'Connell, you look at the supporting cast, you look at the defense. And, and to me, you know, one team seems a little bit better than the other at this point. Yeah, I think and we had I just want to mention we had Mike Carmen on and he was talking about going into this matchup where. You know, the Purdue, if they win this game, they have a special season laid out for them. If they lose this game, they can still have a very good season. To me, I feel a little bit more pressure on Penn State because of six losses and eight games they're coming off of. James Franklin, this intensity, particularly the way they may lose this game if they don't show improvement in some of the areas that have been hot button topics this entire offseason. To me, I know they're the three, three and a half point favorite. I know both teams want to emerge from this on beaten and, and move forward. But I just feel there's more pressure hanging over Penn State right now. And maybe that's because I cover the team on the daily basis. What what do you feel about that, Daniel? Yeah, I can kind of see where you're, where you're coming from with that. Uh, Penn State is the team that comes into every year with the high expectations, that the expectation is to win 9, 10, 11 games, contend for the Big Ten East. Um, you, It's a team that – it's a program that doesn't lose to teams like Purdue um, in the conference where – Purdue's coming in. They're coming off of a, that big nine-win season last year, ended it on a high note. Obviously, there's a lot of turnover, but I feel like the way where Purdue stands in the conference, this is almost like it's a little bit of house money for them. Um, you know, if they lose, it's not the end of the world the way that the Big Ten West is set up. Um, obviously, Wisconsin is very good, but that's a division you can win with two losses in the conference maybe even three, depending on you know how things are that year. Whereas you look at it to the other side uh, with Penn State, um, if you lose that one game uh, in the Big Ten early on in the season, the margin for error is, is pretty much non-existent um, the rest of the way. I know that the, the opening Big Ten play on the road comes up every once in a while, and, and people are always kind of like, well, like, they're going to play the same number of games at home and, and at the road what's wrong with getting it out of the way early as opposed to late. And I think it, it's this margin of error where if you're going out on the road, it's tougher. Uh, it's more difficult uh, no matter who it is in the conference. And that can really put you behind. So I think that it's kind of like what it was with Wisconsin last year. If they lose that game, if they can't hold on that first month of the season sets up completely differently. Uh, the expectations set up completely differently than they did coming out with that win. So I do think that as much as I guess pressure is real, as much as that, how that actually affects the players. Um, I do think that when you look at Penn state versus Purdue from that 
uh, pressure perspective, I do think there is a little bit more uh, on Penn State, given where the program is, what the expectations are, and what the road looks like moving forward. Penn State has won nine in a row in this series. Overall, 15-3-1. Last time they played, I mentioned uh, 35-7 was the score of that game back in Beaver Stadium uh, 2019. 2016, Saquon Barkley went wild. Uh, Nittany Lions won out in West Lafayette 62-24. to Again, Vegas sees this one much differently. It's a three-and-a-half uh, spread in favor of Penn State. And, Mark, when we kind of project this, and that's all it is right now, it's a projection. We've talked a lot about the team. We've written a lot about the team. We've gotten glimpses at them. Let's start with the positives, the potential strengths. Going into week one, where do you see this Penn State football team being able to lean on from a foundational standpoint? I think the secondary and the defensive line. I mean, you know, there's been so much talk about the lack of depth at linebacker. But when you look at a team that ranked dead last in the Big Ten in rushing last year, far worse than Penn State, if you could even believe that, uh, that this seems to be this defense for, for Penn State seems to match up well with this offense for Purdue. I, I think Penn State would would be in a much more difficult situation if they were facing a grinded out running running team in game one, just because they don't have that whole linebacker situation set uh, just left just yet. But as I see it, I mean, I could see them playing just a ton of nickel and a ton of dime. And really being able to let those pass rushers, you know, these these some new, you know, some not so new, some some returning, some that we didn't see last year, that but we we, we saw it before, uh, to be able to let some of those guys loose, I think it's, that's going to be a real, a real key. And then, you know, offensively, I think they're going to be able to pass the ball, but I think more important than passing the ball is establishing the running game, and that's why I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game. I mean, I, I think Penn State. Listen, if Penn State has any hopes of contending in the Big Ten East, it cannot have the pathetic rushing game that it had last year. It just can't. And that has to start in week one. They have to get back to establishing some sort of running game, more balance in the offense against some of the better teams on the schedule. And is am I saying Purdue's one of the better teams on the schedule when compared to Ohio State or maybe Michigan? No, I'm not saying that. But for a week one opponent, this is a very good. This is a very good opponent, and for all those people who say it doesn't matter when you play them, you're going to play them anyway. That's ridiculous. Why do you think teams, if given their druthers, are setting up tomato cans when they can when they can do that to open the season? They're doing it because they want to be able to work through things and have kind of a, a quote unquote preseason. We talked to Juice Scruggs yesterday, and he said the one game that he remembers was his true freshman year playing App Idaho. State. Yeah, oh. playing App State <laughs> at uh, at Beaver Stadium and, right. and going to overtime. He didn't even play. And he's like, you know, that was my introduction to, to college football. And I was like blown away by what this was like. And, and now you're, you're talking about Nick Singleton and Drew Aller and, and Abdul Carter and, and some of these other guys that we're going to see on Thursday, and their introduction is going to be on the road in a Big Ten environment. So, yeah, there, there is definitely something to it. To, to, I to, apologize. To, yeah. I was going to say that was Juice's second year on campus when they opened up against Idaho, which is that 
tomato can or whatever you just called yeah. it. 79, 79 to 7 was the, the result there. They had Buffalo the next week, as we've talked about a lot, with Auburn in week three, a trip down SEC territory and opening up in this kind of environment in the Big Ten, just a different beast. Daniel, same to you. Uh, when you view this Penn State team going toward this Thursday kickoff, what do you think they'll be able to hang their hat on? I really agree with Mark when talking about the the secondary and how that matches up with with Purdue. You look at the the past Purdue teams that were able to kind of leap up and and knock somebody knock some you know higher ranked or, or better teams off, and they had guys like Rondale Moore. Uh, they had David Bell. Um, in the past few years, whenever I watched Purdue, I think Milton Wright uh, always caught my eye as, as someone making plays and who could make things happen. None of those guys are there right now. Um, they brought in the two Iowa transfers and Tyrone Tracy and Charlie Jones um, to kind of help boost uh, that that passing attack uh, to help boost special teams too with, with Jones as a returner. But I don't necessarily know how much you can hang your hat on two wide receivers from Iowa uh, to really boost uh, your offense, given you know their background, how they've played. So I do like how the secondary matches up. Obviously, it's going to be a big spot for Kalen King. Uh, it's going to be a big spot for Johnny Dixon. Uh, it's going to be a big spot for whoever is starting next to Jair Brown, whether that's Saki Wheatley or, or Keaton Ellis um, or Jalen Reed. Uh, there is some youth back there and a little bit of inexperience with, with two new starters, but I think the talent is there. Um, and then up front, if that uh, if the if the defensive line can get pressure on Aiden O'Connell, I know that he's kind of the get the get the ball out quick sometimes, a very efficient, high percentage passer. But if the cornerbacks can, you know, make him take that extra half second uh, to get the ball out, I think that'll be great uh, for the the Penn State pass rush. So I think the Penn State defense matches up really well. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, I think kind of like what Mark said too. I mean, we we want to see the run game. We think Penn State will, will try to establish it. Um, I think the offensive line and kind of how it's a little bit beefier in a couple spots than it was last year. And I think that that is something that that could serve them well. Uh, Branson Dean, the defensive tackle from Purdue, is someone that um, James Franklin brought up yesterday. So how he matches up uh, with some of those guys on on the interior who, you know, Drew Scruggs will be starting in a new spot. Uh, Salim Wormley, Hunter Norzad, Landon Tangwall uh, are all going to be kind of new starters or new guys playing starter rep started reps for Penn State. So I think that that's what I'm going to be watching um, because last year the running game was a weakness. And until we see it be a strength, it's still going to hang in kind of that prove it uh, question mark type area. It might surprise some people, you know, 10 minutes removed from me plotting the timeline for when Drew Aller is going to make his ascension as a starting quarterback. But I, I think Sean Clifford is, is uh, you know, the, the piece that you can really – say that's a good guy to have going to Purdue in this situation. Um, you know, we, we heard from him on Monday talking about how when he was a younger starting quarterback in 2019, I think even in a 2020, which was a, just a weird year in general, but, but specifically 2019, some of those big showcase games, he talked about getting maybe too fired up, too emotional, um, maybe a childlike excitement before those games. And, and I'm pretty positive, Mark, you were covering the team then, Daniel wasn't, but we saw that reflected in some of his throws, some of the way he played early in matchups that were, you know, in that spotlight setting, he would take some time to settle down over the course. And now he says he's approaching it like a businessman and he is a businessman on the side now. So that makes a lot of sense, but you know, it, 
we I know everybody who doesn't want to hear about you know Sean Clifford uh, and, and his confidence and all that, but those things matter. I, I know you may want to take a, a, a young quarterback who's a fancy shiny new toy, but do you really want to take him and throw him in this environment uh, on Thursday night with the blackout and what whatever Purdue's going to throw your way? Um, I just really think that the fact that they can they can lean on a six year quarterback here and he's going to be turning the, around and handing the ball off to 18, 19 year old running backs and and, and he's going to be a, a stable figure for this offensive uh for this offensive attack with some new pieces a transfer coming in with mitch mitch tinsley it's his first time out there he's been a roommate with sean clifford for these past several months so all that tells me sean just has his you know he's tapped into each one of these position rooms and he's again kind of an extension of the staff i think in this moment in this setting this is why you want a 24-year-old quarterback who started 33 games. So I'm kind of looking that way. And then defensively, I'm going to really be focused in on that defensive tackle rotation. Do they go six deep? How, how quickly do we see six guys involved? It sounds like Purdue's going to be working in eight, maybe nine offensive linemen over the course of this game. I don't think that's a strong suit of their team. I do think this is a strong suit for Penn State. Um, Purdue, I think, three consecutive years now, uh, dead last in the Big Ten in rushing yards. Some of that is by design because of the way they pass the football. Some of it is because they just can't get the push up front and they don't have the athletes back there to go bonkers and, and come up with big running plays. So to me, that combination sets up very well for the Nittany Lions. I'm not quite ready to go all on board with the edge rush. I've said it has as big a ceiling as any area on this team. Still got to see it. But I think if the defensive tackles play their part, it's going to be good news for that those middle linebackers, Tyler Elson as a starter, Kobe King getting involved as well. And it's going to be good news for whoever's attacking off that edge. And that's kind of where I'm at. But let's talk about potential, I guess, hurdles, uh, maybe some pitfalls for Penn State. Mark, we'll go with you. Uh, you talked about the run game and wanting to see answers there. Where are you feeling the most shaky for Penn State as they go to Purdue? Uh, you know, uh, this is probably going to come out the wrong way, but I'm just going to say it. I, you know, I think when you look at the middle linebacker position, you have two guys who I think both are going to be really good players in Tyler Elsden and Kobe King. But, you know, I know it's cliche, but that's the quarterback of the defense. And what are these guys going to be able to – what will one or the other – I mean, I think it's going to be Tyler Elsden as the starter. I don't think. I mean, James Franklin has said that, so unless there's some some surprise – uh, how are, are are one or both of these guys going to be able to handle that situation in a hostile environment? We know they have the athletic ability. We know they have the skill, but that's different than being out there and having to make the call, make the pre-snap adjustments, do all of those things. And and I don't know how you could think of anything other than that. Uh, I guess you, you probably could, but I can't. I mean, I look at that and uh, it's kind of let's see how these guys do. I, I won't be surprised if they play well. But I think if you're taking an honest assessment of the defense, that's the one area where you have to look at going on a road in a hostile environment. How are these guys going to uh, play on offense? Let show me. You know, we did our predictions, and everybody said we're in. And let's see. You you know, it, it's time for the offensive line to step up and prove itself. It's enough. Uh, years and years and years of all of us saying it's going to be better this year. It's going to be better this year. It's going to be better this year. And, you know, the, the one thing that kind of jumped out to me, and I think it's probably jumped out to everybody because we've been beaten over the head with a hammer, is that James Franklin has said 175 times this preseason that if that offensive line doesn't play well in the opener, that the media, that we're going to let him know about it. And I don't think he says that unless, again, there's a little bit of an edge or a little bit of confidence. But he's had that confidence in the past. 
I've had that confidence in the past, and it's been misplaced. So it's time for the offensive line to step up and get the job done. Do I think it's going to happen? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm done. I mean, I can't say it. I can't go in and, and make that prediction until I actually see it. I will say that it's it has terrific skill players. It has a veteran quarterback. And going back to what you said about Sean Clifford in hostile environments, you look at what he did in Iowa last year before he got banged up. He was shredding that defense. He even at interception, and they were on their way to housing Iowa, uh, in, in Iowa City, I mean, and, and I know Iowa people would may disagree with that, but that game was go. They were that game was was on its way to a blowout before he got banged up, and so when he's healthy, he's completely comfortable in in that sort of environment. And I can tell you that Iowa City is a much more hostile environment than West Lafayette. It just is. I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, you have you have explosive running backs now. You have have I think extremely good tight ends who. Uh, underperformed last year, but I think have very high upside. So to me, it boils down to the offensive line, and it's time for this group to step up and prove what it can do. I think offensively, my biggest – it feels almost overdramatic to call it a concern, but I want to know who the game-breaker is going to be. Uh, we saw that at Wisconsin last year when things were just – it was really just a grind. It was a slog. Uh, and then Jahan Dotson just kind of – gets open, does a Jahan Dotson thing, and it just changes the the tenor of the game. Um, you know, we've seen a little bit of that from Keandre Lambert-Smith. Um, Parker Washington is someone that can make things happen when the ball is in his hands. Mitchell Tinsley obviously did that all last year at Western Kentucky. Um, and then there's all of the confidence, uh, it seems like, in the world uh, in Nick Singleton uh, to be that type of player out of the backfield. But we still don't really know. Um, last year, Dotson was kind of the, all right, if if things aren't going well, he's the one that can kind of bail things out a little bit. Uh, he can haul in that errant Sean Clifford pass. Um, he can get the ball in his hands, make the tough catch, uh, make a play, get downfield. And he was really the only one last year uh, that did that on a consistent basis. So that's kind of if things are are kind of grinding again, if it's a slog, who on that offense can be the one that is going to to break it? Um, who can be the one that can change the game uh, single-handedly? Um, Jaywan Sider had some great things to say uh, about Nick Singleton being that guy. Um, maybe we'll see that right away from a true freshman, but still a true freshman, still going to be against Big Ten competition for the first time. So that's kind of wait and see. But I think going into Thursday night, that's kind of what I'm looking at uh, from the offense. And then defensively, I think it is the linebackers. Um, I think that we've kind of established that if the defensive line is good and the secondary is good, you can kind of get away with a little bit more um, subpar play um, out of the linebackers. But I feel like Purdue is the type of team that if they find a weakness, if they can hone in uh, on someone, if it's at that second level, they can really take advantage. So you know, we don't really know how Tyler Elson and Kobe King are going to acquit themselves because this is going to be probably the most we've ever seen them play uh, in a game. So we'll be learning a lot about them um, at the same time. But I think that when I look at how things are going uh, for that um, defense, I definitely look uh, at the linebackers as, um, you know, an area where we need to see, need to see it to know what we've got there. Well, Daniel, you know what? I was kind of sick of Tyler. So we said, <laughs> get him out of here. We, we, you know what? He's on this podcast all the time. 
we don't even need him. Fortunately, Ty, hey, Tyler had some computer issues, got frozen up a little bit, but I have his rundown right here. So we can keep rolling with it. And the next thing he wanted to go to. Daniel All right, Mark, was, I, I'm here. Now. No, <laughs> no, we off, got, wait, oh, come on. We, and look, at, we, we put you down to the bottom. Nice. Oh, boy. Back where you belong. So I was trying to fill, but we were just getting into Purdue players to watch because I did have yeah. your I had your little uh, rundown here, Tyler. So I don't know what kind of computer issues you're having at the headquarters there, but we covered for you. Beautiful. Well, I mean, look, you start with the quarterback and, and – Mike Carmen did a lot of the heavy lifting for us on the Tuesday podcast, breaking down things from a Purdue perspective, reel off a bunch of the, the personnel they've brought in, uh, some key transfers that have come in. Uh, he actually followed up with some reporting this week about some guys are going to have uh, Nickelback, Jalen Graham will be active. So will defensive tackle Branson Dean and cornerbacks Jamari Brown and Corey Trice. Uh, all of them were, were iffy in medical department. So they'll be playing for, for Purdue. But I think in this matchup, you know, it's kind of what they don't have. It, the star power is, is not, in a surplus for a program like Purdue. They'd love to change that. But when they brought in David Bell, a receiver that Penn State pursued heavily out of high school, um, you had a feeling he could be a game changer, and he very quickly was. One of the prominent receivers in America in the Big Ten Conference during recent years. He's now getting an NFL paycheck. And George Karloftis was so much to them. Uh, as a as a disruptive force in the defensive line, they don't have an answer to replace those kind of guys. Where I feel like Penn State more well equipped to deal with the loss of a Jahan Dotson because of an Arnold Evacati, because of their infrastructure as a program, because of their recruiting uh, success as a program. And to me, that that's where the question is. Uh, Milton Wright, as as Daniel said, guy who was the leading receiver coming back, has flashed in the past for Purdue, ruled academically ineligible. They're also down one of their top tight ends. So to me, you got Aiden O'Connell, a guy who completed 70-plus percent of his uh, throws last year. He's a married man, another very veteran presence at quarterback. But where is he targeting and, and how is he beating these Penn State defenders, I know they've got the the Iowa transfers and that they're excited about. Jones going to make an impact on special teams, and then Tracy. But to me, this we've already talked about it: the athleticism, the length on the Penn State defense. I have a hard time seeing Aiden O'Connell repeatedly exploiting things, unless I didn't get to it. But my weakness for Penn State that I'm concerned about, or my concern that could pop up, is defensive communication. That, to me, it really could determine the outcome because even if Sean Clifford goes out there and plays at a high level, got to be able to stop Purdue. And we've seen them put up some significant points in the past at home against good teams. And I think with these Boilermakers, um, the key to me is, is can Penn State, with that linebacker play uh, and, and using all three phases of the defense, really disseminate that information from Manny Diaz off the sideline. And, and you know, we want the, they want to be in attack mode. They want to do it play after play, play aggressive defense. You can't play aggressive defense unless you're in control. And you can't play aggressive defense unless you're accountable for your teammate. Because if you're aggressive and, and go and chasing the ball and the guy next to you isn't on the same page, that's how you get burned. That's how you get beat. That's how you get exploited. And to me, that's how Penn State could go about losing this game is if there's just too many lapses, too many spots where you're saying, Something wasn't right there on defense. The linebacker wasn't on the same page as the coaching staff or the safeties weren't on the same page as the linebacker. And that is the kind of stuff we'll need to see ironed out. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some instances early in this game where that's an issue. Um, but I just I think that Manny Diaz will have it buttoned up enough. But I just wanted to say that was my kind of concern going into this matchup because you guys hit on some other stuff. I could have gone with the offensive line. Why do that once again? I'll just talk defensive communication issues for me. And I think that folds in, too, with kind of what we've been talking about with at linebacker, with Tyler Elsden, with Kobe King, that quarterback of the defense. Um, they're the ones that are going to have to kind of be that glue, uh, especially with 
all these guys playing their first game for a new defensive coordinator uh, in Manny Diaz. Yeah, when we yeah. talk about Purdue, I mean, all eyes have to be on Aiden O'Connell, and that's where I, it's going to be interesting to see what Penn State does defensively. You know, we've heard all preseason about the emphasis uh, that, that Manny Diaz puts on creating turnovers. Uh, we talked to Jair Brown on Monday, and he's like, boy, I, you know, the one thing I really want to do is get my first sack. I've never had a sack. You know, how how aggressive are they going to be about, against this quarterback who's been extremely accurate? You know, are they going to just try to rush for or are they going to bring people? And I think they're going to bring some people. I think it's going to be fun. I think you're going to see Manny Diaz do some stuff uh, with some blitzing that maybe we haven't seen a ton of before. Uh, but that's that part to me, the speed and physicality that they have with their defensive backs, I think they're going to be able to do some fun things. And I think keeping O'Connell – who's not the most mobile guy, excuse me, keeping him off balance is going to be real key. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, last time Purdue played Penn State, uh, Penn State churned out 10 sacks in the Boilermakers. As a result, had negative 19 rushing yards uh, on, on that afternoon in Beaver Stadium. I believe Shaka Tony had a particularly big game. Uh, but this is a, a Purdue squad that I think they're going to want to launch the ball a lot on Thursday night. We talked about it, though. It doesn't seem to match up well with what we envisioned being the strengths of this Penn State defense. And, guys, we're, we're just about time to, to – re- Talk about our predictions for a couple things for this game, uh, for the season at large for Penn State. Uh, but I want to get to it. Penn State players uh, to watch. Um, this is kind of, I guess I'm asking for maybe someone off the beaten path a little bit. Someone that we haven't spent half the podcast discussing that you think could swing this game in some way or manner on Thursday. Nick Singleton. No, I'm kidding. I'll, I'm gonna, I'll go with <laughs> Olu Fashanu. I, I'm going to go with Olu. Uh, you know, left tackle. We talked about how important it is keeping Sean Clifford healthy. Uh, you know, he's a guy who came in and I thought played played pretty well in a bowl game against Arkansas, uh, replacing Rasheed Walker. We've heard nothing but good things about him uh, this preseason, and you know, I think that I think he has the opportunity to be an improvement there over what they had last year, just in terms of physical ability, attitude, all of those things. So I think Olu Fashanu not just for this game, but for this season. If you're looking for improvement from the offensive line, uh, I think that's a good area to keep your eye on in the season opener to see how well he plays against – because Purdue knows Purdue knows what you have to do to, to, to slow down Penn State, and that's get to Clifford and, and knock him around a little bit. Uh, because if he's healthy, uh, not that they're trying to hurt him, but you, know, you want to get in there and be physical. So I think Olu's the guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. <laughs> I'll go with Harrison Wallace out at wide receiver. Um, he's someone who we've been talking a little bit more about um, in, in the past couple of weeks or so, but it sounds like that he's been getting some time with the first team. And when you talk about the the type of player that, that Penn State is replacing in Jahan Dotson, that game breaker who can make something happen on his own, um, from what we've heard on Harrison Wallace, he does seem to have some of those traits. He has that athleticism from his time as a, as a basketball player down in Alabama where he can go up and get the ball. We saw that in the blue-white game. 
Um, and then I forget which defender it was, but they said that he's the type of guy when he gets the ball in his hands, he can take it 80 yards. Um, so, you know, Penn State, their top three wide receivers are pretty proven. James Franklin says that they're only going five and a half deep right now. Um, and they need a fourth and fifth guy to step up uh, over the course of the season if they want to be a dangerous offense, if they want to show uh, a little bit more, if they want to you know, give Sean Clifford in the running game some help. So I'll be keeping an eye out for, for Trey Wallace uh, as someone who can make an impact. Um, it'll be his first, you know, first real uh, in-depth game action, but I'm really intrigued to watch him, and I think he could help swing this game. I think if you ask the average Penn State fan to to list Penn State's top defensive players in order, it would take them too long to get to Daquan Hardy. And, and we got another chance to check him out on the practice field uh, on Monday. And I'm, I'm telling you, he is in command right now in the way he's able to adjust downfield. And, and, and just everything you hear from his coaching staff, he had a really, really strong 2021 campaign. He did something in that nickel role that Penn State had not gotten out of that role uh, for a while, and it changed the way they were able to play defense. I think the anticipation is he's going to take it a step further. He's always going to have some of those physical limitations. That's why he was under-recruited. That's why probably we don't talk about him enough because he's not on a bunch of mock drafts conversations and stuff like that but Daquan Hardy to me has a chance to be a very very key player special player and the kind of guy when you're going up against a pass happy defense like Purdue he's going to play a bunch he is a starter I don't you know I don't know if we're going to see him it would take the first snap on defense every single week this season but he is a full-on starter for this team he is highly valued in that facility and I think we'll see it pop up over the course of this matchup on Thursday last time we saw him in Big Ten he was returning an interception for a touchdown uh, on a snowy day in East Lansing, I think he'll pick up right where he left off, make some splash plays, and remind folks that Daquan Hardy, although he is the underdog, it's time to start viewing him in maybe a different light. Um, and so prediction time. Now that we've got our, our, our players to watch out there, uh, Dana, we'll start with you because you're the new guy on the block and you happen to be the only guy at Lions 24-7 in our predictions piece who went with Purdue. Explain yourself, sir. Uh, welcome to Contrarian Corner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think that you look at its first game of the year, we we can be confident that the Penn State running game is going to be better. We can be confident that Sean Clifford is going to be the Sean Clifford we saw um, the first part of last year. We can be confident that these you know, pretty highly regarded defensive recruits um, that are stepping into bigger roles are going to really take that by the reins and, and run with it. But I think that I just have kind of a lot of questions that need to be answered. It goes back to that prove it thing and Obviously, I'm sure that if I was covering Purdue, I'd be saying the same things about you know the Purdue offense and defense. But I just think where Penn State is, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I think it's going to be on the lower scoring end than maybe we'll see from these offenses later on in the year um, as they kind of work through that you know first game defense being a little bit head of the offense cliche, um, but. I went with Purdue 23, Penn State 20. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to come down to, you know, kind of what you said, Tyler, with maybe one or two miscues on defense under that first time defensive or the new defensive coordinator. Um, You know, a couple miscues on offense uh, as some of these newer pieces get sorted out and that offensive line um, starts to settle in. Also, you know, can't discount the environment. It's a Thursday night. It's going to be, you know, a blackout at Ross aid stadium. I think it'll be pretty raucous. I think that it'll be something that Purdue can draw off of. And this has been a huge emphasis for Purdue all off season. Uh, Jeff Brom brought it up in his opening statement at big 10 media days. 
Uh, the players I talked to at Big Ten Media Days said that they know how important this game is you know, for their season, but also for their program as a whole in terms of trying to establish Purdue as a program that is taking these next steps. Obviously, Penn State is trying to go 1-0 and isn't discounting anyone. But you know, when I look at Purdue and kind of that confidence, um, the environment, and just kind of the fact that it's going to be a Thursday night, it's the first game of the year, things can get a little bit weird, a couple bounces here and there. So I went with Purdue in this one, and you know we'll find out Friday morning. Mark? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I've watched enough Big Ten sports over the years to realize that there are certain matchups that just never seem to, to work out real well. And one of them is Purdue-Penn State basketball. Like, no matter how good Penn State basketball is, Purdue always seems to find a way to, to, to beat them. You know, it's like, just, just can't get over that hump. And I think there's a little bit of that involved here. You know, Penn State's really had Purdue's number. You know that said, I I agree with Daniel. I think that, I don't think this is going to be as high scoring game as some people are are suggesting. Uh, again, I love the matchup in terms of what Penn State should be able to do defensively against a team that relies heavily on the pass, and I think Penn State is going to go above and beyond to establish that running game to make sure it works. Maybe get an explosive play from a Nick Singleton or a Katron Allen. Uh, maybe get a pick six, uh, somehow come away with a 24-20 win uh, to start the season on a positive note. But it's just one of those vibe things that, you know, you 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 you, be, you, you watch different sports in the Big Ten and certain teams always seem to have the other team's number. And I think that's the instance. That's one of those instances here. I, I don't know that playing in – uh, that atmosphere is going to be something that's going to be intimidating for a team that's led by Sean Clifford, who's played in you, you name it, you know, he's been in every atmosphere. So I think he's going to be able to keep people calm. I would go back to that middle linebacker spot. That's obviously, you know, those two guys are going to have to step up and get the job done, but they have veterans on that back end. They have, they have veterans up front. We've gone this whole show without even mentioning PJ Mustafer and the stabilizing uh, kind of, factor that he can bring uh, to that defensive line. Brom talked about him in his press conference earlier this week. So I think Penn State has enough veterans, has the mojo on its side, and is going to pull out to 24-20 victory. There it is. And and uh, as I already alluded to, Dan was the only one who went with uh, Purdue. So that gives away my pick. I picked Penn State to win 31-26. to My thought on this game is, look, the, the, the focus is on these two older quarterbacks, guys who shouldn't be in college anymore, but because of COVID, they're able to do that. Different backgrounds. I don't know if a lot of people realize that O'Connell is a former walk-on who worked his way to this point. So different paths. But to me, Sean Clifford has a superior firepower on his side. I think he's got the more formidable defense backing him up in this matchup as well. And I'm with you, Mark. Um, there will be some wide eyes on this Penn State roster, particularly early in the game. But I think they've got enough guys who say, we've been here before. We get it. Let's go home with a win. Um, and, and yeah, I think on the other side, there's a chance that Purdue maybe gets a little too fired up for its own good. That's another scenario that plays out. And, and they have emphasized this game. Some programs try to avoid getting – too many eggs in one basket for a matchup. It's hard to do that when it's your opener, but Purdue has been pretty vocal about this game being a showcase opportunity. And I wonder if you keep saying that to yourself and to your team, if that sets you up for a potential kind of stumble when you finally get to that point. But needless to say, I, I, I just think Penn State 
the depth stands out to me versus Purdue in the trenches. I think that's a big deal. Penn State defense versus Purdue offense. I will say one thing I didn't note in a concern, which is right up there with defensive communication to me, is the specialist getting the job done. Just because you want to see Barney Moore, great story. Cool. You're on scholarship. Now you want to see him go out and deliver consistent punts that help this defense out and bail out your offense. Same goes for Jake Pinnegar. Hey, great redemption story. You stuck on campus. You worked your way back. You're the starting place kicker. Deliver these. You got to deliver a 35 yarder. You got to deliver the 42 yarder. Curious to see what happens if it's long distance. And then, of course, the kickoff specialist. Not so much in play with new college football rules, but you don't want to have some kind of gaffe in that department. Um, I'll, I'll give a tip of the cap to Jalen Graham, a guy that we should have mentioned earlier in the podcast. He's really the defensive linchpin, I think, for, for Purdue. Uh, great coverage skills, linebacker who can get downhill. Um, he can sack you. He can pick off a pass. You don't want to kind of let him get off and, and have that kind of game-breaker matchup. But I do think Penn State, 31-26, program newcomers, two total touchdowns. I'm not going to give away the names. You figure them out, and, and we'll find And I'll let you know who they are when, when, when I'm right. But I think the Nittany Lions end up carrying a lead into the fourth quarter, and that pass rush comes up with the big splash play in the final five minutes or so to put this one on ice and Penn, send Penn State home 1-0. So Mark and I have got them at 1-0. You've got them at 0-1. Let's talk about 12 games before we wrap up this podcast. We put our season predictions out there last weekend. And Mark, you and I are both in the same boat, 9-3. and Why was that your decision? You know, I think it comes down to resiliency, you know, and, and you know, touching on those veterans that we, that we mentioned before. I think the most disappointing thing about Penn State the last couple of years is not necessarily that excuse me, it lost to an Indiana during the COVID year or that it lost to an Iowa last year. But the way it responded after losing those games, I mean, it just, uh, you know, for things to unravel the way they did, um, you know, to me, if you're if you're looking at that as a fan, that has to be the absolute most disappointing part of it. And let's see how it happens this year. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, there's going to be adversity. They could, as Daniel said, they could easily lose this first game. They could lose at uh, Auburn. When you look at that stretch of uh, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, I don't think anybody in their right mind thinks they're coming out of that unscathed. When a loss or losses happen, how is this team going to respond? And I think it's, it's better oriented with a lot of the veteran players who have been through the grind to be able to put some of those things in the past. That was actually kind of a strong point before the last couple of years. And you have COVID and then things go haywire last year. So to me, that's the ultimate key. And I think they're going to be able to do it. Do I know for sure? No, I don't. I mean, I could see, you know, if, 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 if they, if it does come unraveled, it could get ugly, but I just think with the, the number of veteran players, the strong leadership that they have when the loss comes, I think they're going to be better suited to bounce back. Uh, so I think you look at three losses, either Purdue or, um, or Auburn, one of those two, and then Ohio state, and then a wild card loss somewhere along the line, maybe Michigan, maybe Michigan state at the end of the year, who knows? Uh, but I think nine and three would be a, would be a good year for this team after where it's been not a great year but I think they have the tools to, to, to make that happen. But it's all about resiliency for this team. And since I've got them going nine and three as well, I'll just jump in here. And and, and I, for a long time, I went back and forth on them winning or losing this Penn State opener. Um, obviously, you see where I've landed on that. And I've got them ending 
September 4-0. I think they'll go on the road and beat Auburn. I don't think Auburn is a very good football program right now, um, and I think Penn State will match up well with them. Uh, in week three, we'll see how Penn State gets out of the first two games before I start forecasting that, I guess. But I think they'll be nationally ranked going into October 4-0. I think they'll finish 9-3. and um, Ultimately, I, I, I just – can't quite give the benefit of the doubt on a few things. I think starting with the offensive line until we see it, it's completely, you know, been beaten like a dead horse over and over and over and over again. But just can't quite say this team can win 10 or 11 games until I know they have an offensive line capable of getting there. Um, Want to see increased production from a very talented tight end room. And that's not something that's part of Mike Yersich's track record to this point as an offensive coordinator. So that's something where the benefit of the doubt, I'm not really quite ready to go there. Certainly think that as long as Sean Clifford is healthy, he gives you the best chance to win right now. And uh, I, I think he could really be uh, a top top of the line uh, Big Ten quarterback. Not the best in the in the Big Ten, but you know one of the top three or four quarterbacks. And that gives you a realistic shot to get to Indianapolis. You're going to have to uh, have supplemental pieces step up and do it because I don't think Sean Clifford is a quarterback who single-handedly spearheads you to a Big Ten title. But I think he's got the weapons around him and he's got the ceiling on the defense across from him where they had that piece in place, but you know, a step forward for Penn State in some regards, but a bit of a reality check on where the gains need to come to consistently compete for Big Ten championships. And let's face it, when the Big Ten gets blown up a little bit, the Big Ten East goes away and we get kind of a reformatted schedule, probably not going to be the worst thing in the world for Penn State to avoid some of these annual matchups. Yeah, and I'll I'll wrap it up. I, I guess I was the the low man uh, in this situation again uh, at at eight and four. Um, I don't see this team winning fewer than eight games. I, I don't believe this is a seven-win team based on the talent that's there. And I think that there is a 10-win ceiling um, for what this team is capable of. But, you know, kind of like we've talked about, uh, what we've talked about ad nauseum, what we've laid out, um, there are just a lot of questions that we need to get answered. Um, and I think that those questions need to get answered before you, know, you can pick Penn State to, to beat Ohio State. Uh, to beat Michigan on a consistent basis. Um, so the way that I kind of went about it was that I had you know, the losses to Ohio State and Michigan, uh, splitting two kind of toss-ups uh, with Michigan State and Auburn. Um, I think that they'll beat Auburn, even though that's on the road and kind of an, an interesting spot in September. Um, and then I threw in just kind of one wild card. Um, I think that that, and we saw we all saw the Illinois game last year. Obviously, the circumstances uh, for that one were were kind of unique. Um, you saw that loss at Indiana to open 2020. Um, I think that it's it's the type of thing where as soon as Penn State can kind of make it through a season without that kind of unexpected trip up, without that unexpected stumble, um, then I think that we can you know kind of move forward with, with you know bumping them up to to more kind of for lack of a better term, uh, penciled in wins. Um, but that's kind of how I, I got to, to eight and four. I think that this Purdue game will kind of be that inexplicable loss. Um, I think that they'll get it out of the way early and then kind of settle in um, kind of like what Mark said with the resiliency um, and kind of lock in until they get to that really tough stretch uh, in October. So I think it's eight and four. I don't think it'll be any worse than that. Um, and I think it has the potential to, to be better than that, too. 
Mark, it's never as simple as just the number. I'm personally leaning a little bit closer toward 10 wins than I am toward Daniel's eight. Where are you if you had to lean one way or the other with this nine? Because that's a big difference, 10 and two versus eight and four. And I think I would be leaning toward eight because I think I'm really giving them the benefit of the doubt on the resiliency thing. You know, it's another one of those show me. I, you know, again, just speaking of beating dead horses, uh, but again, the one thing I would say is that before that COVID year, they had proven to be a pretty resilient team uh, under James Franklin. So, And I think with the, the amount of talent, the amount of veterans that they have coming back, I think you're going to see them get back to being that team. But I think, I, I, you know, you, you can't say for sure. So if I'm, if I'm looking at it, I would if, if, if I had a pick between – uh, ten and two and eight and four. I would go eight and four, just because. Listen, you know, we, we're we're coming off of watching this team lose eleven of twenty two, lose six of its last eight, and I picked them to win a bunch of those games. So uh, I don't know that I could 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 trend on the the, the upper side of that. So I would have to go uh, on the eight and four side. Well, the first step of the process occurs Thursday night. You guys will be flying out for the matchup in West Lafayette. Look forward to your coverage. We'll have a post-game Knock podcast. on wood, we'll be flying yeah. out. Don't, be, don't put <laughs> the kiss of death on us. You'll be, you'll be finding a way to get to West Lafayette. Let me put it that way. Um, and, and, and we look forward to it. And Thursday night's going to be here quickly. Again, post-game podcast. And we are back to our four episodes per week here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll jump into recruiting, certainly over the course of these weeks, but a lot of focus is going to be on these games and on how Penn State is performing. We'll finally get to talk about that in just a couple of days. Daniel Gowan, Mark Brennan, appreciate you guys. Our producer, Lance Glenn, always doing a great job behind the scenes. For, for now, I'm Tyler Downey, you're stepping aside. We'll be back with you late Thursday night on the Lions 24-7 podcast.